So we come now to Judea and the Roman prefects. We've gone through Herod's sons. Let's talk some about the prefect rulers that Rome sent in this period beginning in 6 AD. Caponius is the first prefect that Rome sends, uh, and he appoints Annas the high priest. Now, Annas is important because he is the patriarch of what will be the high priestly family for the most part through the entirety of the New Testament period. From the time of Jesus' ministry all the way through to the 60s, when Annas II, a descendant of this family, puts James, the brother, half-brother of the Lord, to death in an incident we're going to read about later. Caiaphas, high priest during the time of Jesus' ministry. High priest presiding at the Jewish examination of Jesus. Caiaphas is Annas' son-in-law. Five of the six high priests during the period when Caiaphas is high priest come out of the family of Annas. Annas is so powerful that even in the New Testament, he is described as a high priest alongside Caiaphas, almost as if the two were ruling together, in an honorific continuation of the title, much like the way we continue to call presidents after they have served president. Um, so Annas is a towering figure whose position is established when the Roman prefect, Caponius, comes and appoints him as high priest. Annas himself was high priest for nine years on his own, just like Caiaphas was high priest during the entire time that Pilate, was, nine years that Pilate was prefect in Judea. This family, as I mentioned, was still in priestly power during the time of the early church because Annas II is responsible for the death of James in A.D. 62. Pontius Pilate, as a prefect, is somewhat insensitive to the Jews. From his standpoint, it's not insensitivity. From his standpoint, he is making clear to the Jews from the moment that he shows up that Rome is in control of the land. And so he brings in symbols, images, uh, at night in one act, in the first controversial act of his rule, an incident we're going to see described in a second. He also mints coins that make it clear that Rome is over Judea. So it's kind of, coins are kind of like, they're not only monetary value, they also can be means of propaganda for the government by what's stamped on them. And that's certainly the case with the coins that Pontius Pilate mints that makes it clear that Rome is in charge in Judea. Don't mess with us. As prefect, he has four responsibilities. He is to collect the taxes. He is to keep the peace. He is to exercise uh, he's to be a judge and to look out for Caesar's interests in the land, and he is the pointer of the high priest. When the Jewish leadership brings Jesus in front of Pilate in Luke chapter 23 and verses 2 and 3, they charge Jesus fundamentally with three things. He is perverting the customs of our people, which is an indirect way of saying he is introducing social instability into the land. He is saying that we should not pay the taxes. Now actually, we know from the New Testament that's not true, but for Pilate to think that Jesus might be encouraging people 
to not pay taxes and to perhaps rebel is a significant charge. And then thirdly, he claims to be king. Now, Rome understood the category of kings, but they didn't particularly like people to appoint themselves kings outside of Roman appointment. This was not viewed positively by those in Rome. So these three charges that we see in Luke 23 run smack up against the responsibilities that Pilate exercises uh, his rule with. In fact, in the Gospel of John, the Jewish leadership in pleading uh, for Pilate to do something with Jesus says, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar's. Reflective of that kind of power. By the way, if you ask yourself, why are the, are the Jews so insistent about Pilate doing something with Jesus when they take him in the first time, the reason is this. Had Pilate let Jesus go, what that would have looked like would have been a Roman acknowledgement that Jesus was not a political threat to Rome, and it would have been very difficult to take Jesus back to Pilate a second time. So this had to work the first time they took him in. And that's why they're so insistent. Mm -hmm. Sir, could you repeat that? Yeah. The reason, the, reason uh, the Jews are so insistent about getting a judgment on Jesus the first time is because had Pilate released Jesus, the early church could have said, look, you took Jesus before Pilate and he judged him not to be a political threat to Rome. Okay? So that's why they were so insistent in that scene. Herod Agrippa comes to rule after Herod's three sons. Herod Agrippa I. That's not Garippa, but Agrippa. Uh, AD 37 to 44. This is uh, Herod the Great's grandson, Herodias' brother, Antipas's brother-in-law. Yes, the family line gets tight and confusing. By A.D. 41, he had regained all the territory that Herod the Great had had, which is basically equal to all of Palestine. He was liked by the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and he was sensitive to Jewish practice. He absolutely insisted that there be no images on coins, which was seen to be in line with the first commandment. He persecuted the church and slew James, the son of Zebedee, in an incident that is noted for us in Acts chapter 12. He imprisoned Peter in an incident that's also noted for us in Acts chapter 12. And he dies a very painful death for allowing himself to be portrayed somewhat like a god, also noted in Acts chapter 12. Annas II becomes high priest during this period, uh, towards the end of this period, and slays James, the brother of the Lord, as we mentioned. In a period, this is interesting, this happens in a period in which prefects are changing. So one prefect is left, the other one hasn't shown up yet. Annas II takes the opportunity to slay James, the brother of the Lord, and, uh, and in doing so, usurps his authority. Only Rome had the right to execute somebody and to determine that someone should be executed. When this happens, some of the Jews recognize that the Romans might be offended 
that Annas II has done this. And so they complain and report about Annas II's act to the Romans, and the Romans swiftly remove Annas II from authority during this period. So this scene is actually part of the proof that we know that the Romans guarded their authority to exercise capital punishment very zealously. Which is why Jesus has to be taken to Pilate in order to get a crucifixion uh, earlier on in his time because only the Romans had this authority. Yeah. You said that the uh, provincial structure was through prefects and something else that I missed. Governors. Governors. Governors Governors ruled bigger areas. Uh, um, Pilate was responsible to reporting to the governor who was in Syria. Okay? And these were commanders who were constantly changing just like the prefects were changing. Yes? How would this work out, say, fast forward to the study of Stephen, Rome's still in power? That's simply a mob act. Okay. That's simply a mob act. No, it doesn't, I mean, it's basically seen, oh, they, they lost it for a while, okay? But this wasn't seen, and it also isn't seen as kind of an official government act, if I can say it that way, okay? It's just a simple crowd reaction. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of confused about how the Herodians, or the, the, the kings, Herod the kings, worked Came. with the prefects. Um, well, they shared... The prefect was responsible to be responsive. Uh, sorry, the Herodians were responsible to be uh, responsive to the prefect. The prefect was Rome's official Roman representative in the land. The Herodians were client kings who served at the kindness of the emperor. Um, so they want to continue to have the emperor's cooperation. If you want to continue to have the opera, emperor's cooperation, you cooperate with the prefect that he sends. So there's this relationship in which Pilate has, in effect, the upper hand, although oftentimes he will defer to Herod because of the um, genealogical relationship that Herod has to the people. Okay, so it's kind of, a, it's, it's a negotiated sharing of authority in which the prefect ultimately has the most power. Mm-hmm. So did Herod Agrippa, did he reunite the, um, you know how when Herod the Great died, he split his whatever he was going mm -hmm. three parts. Did Herod Agrippa have all three of them? Yes, he reunited all this. So he's a very powerful figure. Agrippa's gruesome death is described in Acts 12, came in AD 44, and the area is in Roman hands for six years until Herod Agrippa II is appointed and Herod Agrippa II is a huge uh, shadow of a Jewish leader whose, uh, whose life extends past the fall of Jerusalem and uh, really extends well into the end of the first century. Before we get to Herod Agrippa, we have key procurators, Felix and Festus. Felix married, is married to a Jewish, to a Jewess, Drusilla, who's the sister of Agrippa II. So you can see the kind of political alignments that are happening as uh, families and powers uh, intermarry. This is part of the politics of the period. Um, Felix is tough with regard to law and order, but he's not viewed as very competent. 
Uh, Paul has appearances that are noted before Festus and, and Herod Agrippa II in Acts 23 to 25. Festus is viewed as tough on law and order, but he's viewed as competent in terms of the way he ran, uh, oversaw Roman responsibility in the area. Annas II kills James when Festus dies and no ruler is present. And the story I told you about his replacement is told to us in the book of Antiquities. Now we're into book 20 of that, of the, of that volume. He's immediately replaced for overstretching his authority. Herod Agrippa is trusted and uh, is given the right to appoint the high priest and authority over the temple treasury. So the Romans came to really like and trust him. You can see that he's around for a long time, from A.D. 50 to A.D. 94, well past the fall of Jerusalem. This is what Josephus has to say about James' death from, by the hand of Annas II. Now the report goes that this elder Annas proved a most fortunate man, for he had five sons who all performed the office of high priest to God. That's Annas I. And he himself enjoyed that dignity a long time formerly, which had never happened to any of other of our high priests. But this younger Annas who, as we have told you already, took the high priesthood, was a bold man in his temper and very insolent. Insolent. He also was of the sect of the Sadducees, who are very rigid in judging offenders above all the rest of the Jews, as we have already observed. When, therefore, Annas was of this disposition, he thought he now had a proper opportunity to exercise his authority. Festus was now dead, and Albinus was put upon the road. So the prefect was coming, but he hadn't arrived yet. So he assembled the Sanhedrin of Judges and brought before them the brother of Jesus who was called Christ, whose name was James and some others. Now this little aside to James and to the Christ in the book of Antiquities, book 20, is very, very important because it tells us that the, that the section that we get on Jesus earlier on in Antiquities, in book 18, about Jesus alluded to the fact that Jesus claimed or had an association with the title, the Christ. And people who want to expunge that entire description of Jesus from Josephus because of some things that have been interpolated into it, having Josephus say things like, he was the Messiah, which Josephus wouldn't have said, because Josephus was Jewish and not a Christian. Um, that this little line gives evidence of the fact that the Christ has already been discussed in the book, and so that Josephus said something about Jesus earlier on in book 18. And when he informed an accusation against them as breakers of the law, talking about James, he delivered them to be stoned. But as for those who seemed most equitable of the citizens and such as were the most easy at the breach of the laws, they disliked what was done. And they also sent to King Agrippa, desiring him to send to Annas that he should act so no more for that what he had already done was not to be justified. Nay, some of them went also to meet Albinus as he was upon his journey from Alexandria and informed him that it was not lawful for Annas to assemble a Sanhedrin without his consent. Whereupon Albinus complied with what they said, wrote an anger to Annas, and threatened that he would bring him to punishment for what he had done. On which King Agrippa took the high priesthood from him, and when he had ruled but three months, made Jesus, son of Damius, 
high priest. So there you see some of the political intrigue that comes with Annas II's overstepping his bounds and executing uh, James, brother of the Lord. Now, yes. Who's Albinus? Albinus was the, was the prefect who had been appointed to replace uh, Festus. Okay? And as he was coming from Egypt to assume that role, this took place. 